Welcome to Talking About Email, the podcast that tells you what's up in the world of email marketing. Brought to you by iContact. From the US to the UK, here are your hosts and email experts, John Hayes and Hank Hoffmeyer. Now let's get to talking about email. Cheers, y'all. Hello, everybody. Glad you could join us today. John and I are actually not traveling. It's the first time in a while that one of us is either not in a different country or not traveling, and we can talk to you comfortably from the offices that we work in. Hey, John, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, Hank. Yeah, and it's um, it's actually nice to be back in my office. I'm here for the first time in nearly four weeks. So hopefully we've got a stable Wi-Fi connection and nothing will interrupt us um, from recording this podcast. So episode six, how did we get here? Man, it's been a journey. I had to travel through France, Switzerland, and some other countries, and I had my laptop with me, and I was using my Apple earbuds. It's really nice to have back my MacBook Pro and my Blue Yeti microphone, and you know I can hear you clear as day, and hopefully everybody's hearing me with a little bit better quality. So I apologize for uh, the last few episodes on my behalf because the quality probably isn't what is up to my standards, but maybe you suffered through it. So episode six, let's make it great. You know, Hank, I'm a great believer in good enough being good enough. And I think we share uh, an authentic experience um, that many online marketeers go through. You know, we're not tied to offices. We're on the go. We're speaking at events. We're visiting clients. And, you know, we're using the communication um, tools that entrepreneurs use, and sometimes they're not perfect. You know, last week I was down in Portugal, and I was really struggling to get a decent Wi-Fi connection. Uh, This is one of the challenges that many entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. So, yeah, the quality maybe wasn't to the standard we were looking for, but, you know, it was certainly an authentic experience. And hopefully a lot of the listeners here will relate to that. Yeah, I think content creators are their biggest critic. And I always talk about, and you do too in your blogging, you know, just get content out there because it's going to be better than what you think it is. And as long as it's valuable, helpful, and informative, it's better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't matter how long in the tooth you are. It doesn't matter how many years you've been doing it. You will always look at the content that you put out there and you'll think, is it good enough? You know, that fear never goes away. And that's a good thing because it pushes you to be better and better. But, you know, it shouldn't be the roadblock that prevents you getting stuff out there. And I meet people all the time who you know, tell me they would like to do more email marketing or they'd like to do more content marketing via their blog or you know, their YouTube channel or, or their podcasts. But they, they just don't get out there because they're afraid of what their peers or their colleagues or their clients um, will think about it. But, you know, there's one thing worse than pushing out okay content and that's you know not pushing it out at all if you don't push it out nobody will ever get the chance to you know, review what you say and you know, maybe buy into your ideas right and, and don't get us wrong you know if you can do better quality with audio or video 
go ahead and do that. Use the best tools you can. Uh, don't purposely degrade the quality uh, like, like, like John and I did, or mostly me, right, while I was traveling. Uh, but we wanted to get the message out. But if you have good tools, go ahead and use them. And especially if somebody's tuning in for the first time to a podcast, they may actually criticize or think about the quality of the audio because, you know, if you're listening to it in their car, it's going to be a richer experience than in a larger room. Therefore, if you have a lot of crackling or, you know, if there's a lot of echo in the room, that actually may deter from people uh, either staying in tuned or actually listening, you know, intently. Therefore, try to use the best tools that you can. Yeah, I guess the moral of the story is, you know, strive for the best. But, you know, sometimes you won't always get there, but good enough will be good enough. Yes. So what's been um, happening in the world of um, email marketing this week, Hank? I know a while back, it might have been episode one or two, we talked about, you know, we always see these articles saying email is going to, die, the death of email, email marketing no, is no longer relevant. And you know, I did a couple talks this week that I spoke about email marketing being 40 times more effective than other marketing channels. Uh, but John, I read a great article this week talking about Slack and, and the title is Slack did not kill email and it was published uh, on The Verge. And Slack is kind of like a texting slash file sharing tool that you can use on your phone and on your computer. And we use something like that at, at iContact here called Microsoft Teams. And it allows you to have group chat, regular chat, send pictures, and more importantly, animated guests. Now, you know, you, you cannot downplay animated guests because they just make everybody's day so much better. But it's kind of like a productivity tool, right, where you can set meetings, chat, um, have groups, uh, groups of people that you want to get information out to. So here maybe it's our product team, they have a group, and then the services team, they may have a separate group because there might be information that's relevant to one team and not the other. And this article talked about how Slack, you know, was thought to be an email killer and it would make email less relevant. And it goes on to say how Slack is synchronous and email's asynchronous. In other words, John, if I sent you a Teams or a Slack message or a text message on your phone, you probably feel like you need to reply to that right away. And I may expect you to, right? Um, you always have that uh, FOMO, fear of missing out feeling when you get that text and say, oh my God, this person wants me to reply. I got a text last night and I felt like I needed to reply right away. Where with the email being asynchronous, you don't have to reply right away to that email and the person on the other end who sent the email might not expect you to do that right away or get back to them maybe today or tomorrow. Um, you probably feel the same way, John, right? If you get a text message, you feel like you need to reply and an email sometimes can wait, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for years we've been hearing about these, you know, um, such and such is going to kill um, email marketing. And um, I remember one of the very first things um, I did when I joined iContact was I wrote an article for Internet Retailing Magazine. I think it was the second day I was in the London office. Uh, I wrote an article basically explaining um, to uh, my peers in the industry why I had chosen to go and work for an email marketing company in yeah, the same month, I believe, as Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook had said that email was dead and social media was going to replace it. But I argued that no new media has ever replaced uh, an existing media. And I guess if you look about the way you consume your media at home, you know, um, 
newspapers weren't replaced by the radio. The radio wasn't replaced by television. Television wasn't replaced by um, the internet. Yes, a lot of these technologies have kind of merged together and the lines have been blurred, but they all find their own um, space. I think when you read these articles, like, you know, Slack is going to kill email, um, they tend to be written by uh, technology-obsessed journalists who are just looking for that clickbait um, headline to, to, to drive traffic. And I'm afraid this clickbait headline is a little bit old and a little bit tired. The fact is people use email and these more social channels for, for very different things. I think about myself personally. Um, I have some friends who I go cycling with. We have a WhatsApp group. And the WhatsApp group, I guess, is like the consumer version of the B2B Slack. And, you know, we will go on there and we will discuss rides and we will share jokes and it will be our own little private space in the virtual world. That doesn't mean we won't stop using emails. We use emails for far more important things. And actually, I think this might be a really good thing for um, email because it clears the space up. It gets rid of all the trash. It gets rid of all of the jokes and you know, the, the, the animated GIFs and, and, and the videos that people share um, in, in, in their off time. And email is kept for serious things. So it's kept for, you know, sending invoices. It's kept for sending job proposals. It's kept for sharing, you know, documents. Um, again, it's also a very useful retrieval um, place as well. It's something we store all this information day before um, we went online to do this podcast. I had to go in and I had to look for your email address and um, you know, find, find the show notes. So, you know, it's, email isn't going to go away. I think it will just change the way that people will use it. And I've mentioned it already on this podcast. I believe we're actually entering a golden age for um, email because email is now something that we are going to cherish more and see far more importance in. Right. And, and I agree with you holistically. I think we are in the golden era. And I spoke recently uh, the other day how email is something that you can use to send out email to masses of people, but yet make it feel like it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Uh, in Microsoft Teams that we use, if I'm not near my desk or if I have the app closed down or not using it and somebody sends me a message or multiple people send me a message, what does Teams do? It sends me an email saying I missed a message. Therefore, even uh, these companies that are making these tools that are supposed to kill email are still using email you know, to support their product. And, and I'm really proud of The Verge publishing this article, you know, because the title is Slack did not kill email. So actually there was an article saying that email's not dead, uh, which I like as a marketer because like you said, all these clickbait types of articles are being put out there and people rush to read those because they say, what's going to kill email now? Because whatever it is, I need to move there, right? And, and it's not, that's not the point of the, of the article is to get those eyeballs and probably pay somebody's salary and serve some ads, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It's really interesting what you were talking about um, you know, a few moments ago about that one-to-one -one conversation as well. And I think this is um, why segmentation in your list is, is so important. And I was going through some, some old blog posts um, that um, I, I wrote recently, and I came across a post that I was particularly proud of, and it was, it was about email marketing, 
and it was about uh, a charity or non-profit organization who were using um, email in a very, very unusual way. And it kind of demonstrates the power of email marketing and why it is you know, still so, so strong and so, so relevant. This charity mainly dealt um, with homeless people. And, you know, as you'll know, many homeless people have many issues, you know, um, issues with addiction to either drugs or, or to alcohol, perhaps, uh, mental health problems. Um, you know, they are in many ways um, yet unreachable to, you know, everyday society because you know, their lives can be so chaotic. And this charity had for many, many years been experimenting with um, email marketing, primarily to keep in touch with their supporters, the people who you know, raised the funds and you know, raised the profile of the charity. But then they did a little experiment and they started trying to target the people who are actually helping. And you might think that sounds crazy because, you know, how could you possibly benefit from doing email marketing when you're targeting homeless people? Homeless people, you would think, do not have access to you know, the internet and, um, and to laptops uh, and so on. But they found that um, most of the people they dealt with, even though they didn't have houses, even though they didn't have jobs, even though they didn't have cars or any of these things that you know, we all, you know, all have in our everyday lives, most of them still had mobile phone. And perhaps while they couldn't um, afford to um, get minutes on their mobile phone, they could still access their email via public Wi-Fi spots. So they started using email marketing to communicate with the people they were trying to help and encourage them to you know, go and see counsellors, encourage them to you know, you know, take healthcare appointments up, visit the doctor, visit the dentist, see um you're housing um, people to, to help maybe help them get rehoused. And it proved incredibly successful. They started getting people coming into their drop-in centers and taking um, part in the services that they were offering. Now, the really interesting thing is because they were dealing with such a diverse range of people with a diverse range of problems, they really, really had to segment their lists into you know, into multiple lists, um, dealing with multiple kinds of people with multiple kinds of problems. And it really put the efforts of many businesses I see to shame. So I guess this proves the point that email marketing is still very much alive, is still very strong, and it will reach beyond the point that you really believe it can reach. Way back in the day, I don't know if you knew about this, John, but here in the U.S., you know, Google launched something called Google Voice, where they actually provided phone numbers to people, you know, in their Gmail for free, and you can connect it and make calls. And, and homeless people used to go to the library and check their email every now and then, but it would, you know, sometimes be a week or two before they could check their email or even voicemail if they had Google Voice. And you were mentioning, you know, mobile phones. You know, even though people are homeless, at times they do have those phones, and they can check email and voicemail in real time. Uh, therefore, you know, I think that, you know, you, you were talking about, you know, email is still relevant. We're in the golden era and, and you can receive email anywhere you are these days, whether it was years ago in the library or in the palm of your hand on the phone. And there's nothing worse than getting a general message that's just meant for everyone in the audience. But if you can definitely put me in a segment of, say, maybe an event in my area because you have, you know, my location information, that's going to be relevant. 
relevant. Or like you said, driving people to certain areas, if it's brick and mortar, you know, segmentation is something that so many marketers overlook. And every day we have people logging into eye contact and not even using that feature. And, you know, that's what we have the folks that work here for. And that could be a strategic advisor who's a dedicated consultant or even our customer success managers that can get on the phone with you and talk to you about how effectively you can use segmentation. Therefore, if you're not using it, contact us. Just go to eyecontact.com and look for our contact information, you know, chat with somebody in support, or just give us a ring and we'll talk to you about how you can effectively use segmentation. Yeah. I think one of the problems is, is people don't use a lot of the functionality in their email marketing accounts because email marketing is so successful. You can send an email out to several hundred or several thousand names and it will you know, deliver a return on investment for you with very little effort. But the thing is, if you go out and you segment your lists even further, it will deliver a much larger return on investment for that send. And you can also send out more emails as well. And another example of that, and I've talked about this a lot in the past, is um, the shoe shop that I once dealt with in, in the UK. They were a grey market um, sports shoe seller, um, primarily online, um, which meant they bought um, premium brands um, back into the UK from your secondary markets, so Eastern Europe, um, Asia, uh, and so on. And it meant they could sell, you know, your Adidas and your Nike shoes, um, yeah, probably one or two seasons old for incredible, um, incredible prices. Um, the only problem is they didn't know what kind of shoes they were going to get into their warehouse until um, in, until they opened up the, the, the shipping container every month when it landed um, outside the, the warehouse. And they went from sending one email a month, which basically you know, might send uh, a campaign out to you know 20,000 people about football boots or soccer boots. Um, the thing is that customers, they would have bought running shoes, they would have bought you know, kids' dance pumps, they would have bought you know, tennis shoes. They perhaps didn't want to play football. They had a great e-commerce system. Um, they actually used eye contact um, for, for Salesforce. So they, they knew every single one of their um, every single one of their subscribers uh, in great detail. They knew who had bought football boots, they knew who had bought dance pumps, they knew who had bought tennis shoes, ladies running shoes, etc. etc. They even knew what size of feet these people had. So they could send out incredibly segmented campaigns, which meant they could go from that one off general email once a month to sending you know, 10, or maybe even 12 emails every single day. It saved them an absolute fortune in um, acquisition marketing. They really cut back on their, their paid search on Google because they were able to live off recurring revenue from their existing client base. That makes me think of uh, the talk I did earlier this week where I mentioned the four pillars of segmentation, which are the four items that I think are the most popular. And John, what you and I can do is go through and talk about those four to help the audience learn how they can effectively use segmentation. Uh, the four is going to be, number one, geographic, number two, demographic, number three, psychographic, and number four, behavioral. So with geographic, 
information, you know, you and I are a good example. You know, you're in a different country. You're in the UK. Uh, I'm in the US here. Therefore, you may want to target John and I differently based on location, because especially if you only have one location and you're in only in one country, you know, if you're in the US, you don't want to target John. But if you're a you know, e-commerce company, but you can ship internationally. Yeah, John can be in your audience and you can send to him. And, you know, there's other ways that you could target geographically. It could be country, it could be city, it can be the density of the city, right? Or, you know, if you have concert tickets you want to sell, you definitely want to use geographic information, right, John? Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many things in in terms of um, geography. There are products and services that um, you may or may not be able to sell internationally. there are areas, yeah, perhaps you are rolling out uh, a, new, a new iPhone app and you're rolling out a, a, local, um, a local service. There's no point in advertising that service in New York if it's only commonly available in San Francisco. So while you want to build up your list to get as many people from around the nation or around the world on it as possible, you know, you want to segment them by geography, either by city or, or by country or by, by state, so that when your product rolls out across those various regions, you can get the right email to the right person at the right time. I think about, you know, this with a company like Uber, you know, Uber are you know, a global company, but they're not in every city yet. So there's very little points in advertising um, their services in a city where they're not available, but the moment they come online, they come online quick. So you're going to want to get as many emails out as possible. Right. And that's, you know, you hold that information to use later. And and there's nothing worse than if I landed in a city and, you know, I've gotten emails in the past from, say, Uber uh, about how great their ride share service is and, you know, how I can get a ride within five minutes. And then all of a sudden I find out whatever city that I'm in currently, they're not there. That would be frustrating to me. And then I'll probably just turn and use one of their competitors. Right. And then maybe I become loyal to their competitor. Uh, Therefore, you know, use that information. And this way you're not just as we keep talking about blasting out to everybody, hoping somebody's going to buy from you, you have to think about the repercussions of doing that and not targeting effectively. You know, next up is demographics, which would be age, gender, income, education, and occupation. And if you hear John and I talk, we always say when you have a form or you're gathering subscribers, don't ask for too much information up front. You know, usually you can start with a first name and an email address. And, you know, we're mentioning all this data. How do you get all this data? You know, you can get it through um, data acquisition items like surveys, right? Or you can direct somebody back to their profile to fill out more of their profile. And that's how you get some of this information. It could also be based on, say, purchases or, you know, augmenting data, you know, by marrying an email address to other data, right? That's Therefore, demographics can also be helpful because it's going to help you narrow down your audience even more. Think about using geographic information and demographic information together and make your email that much more powerful. I think it's all about the importance of your, your landing page. So, you know, that initial engagement, you want to make it as quick and as easy and as painless as possible. But then that secondary engagement, so perhaps you have an ebook that you want to share or uh, an event. Um, invitation or perhaps it's um, an e-commerce sale and you need to go you know get more information um, from them but you already have the relationship so it becomes easier to to ask for that information sometimes you don't even need to ask for the information you know for example if you are 
fashion retailer and you're selling, you know, ladies' fashions, gents' fashions, kids' fashions, you know, you know exactly by what that person buys, you know, what you can target with them in the future. If they're only buying ladies' fashion, only send them emails about ladies' fashion. You might think, well, you know, they may have a husband or they may have a boyfriend or, or, or a son. Um, shouldn't we be sending them information about that as well? Well, no, don't assume. You know, perhaps on your landing page that you point people to, you could have a little message saying we also sell yeah, gents fashion or we also sell kids fashion. They can click on that and then you'll know. And I know um, marketing automation software like Eye Contact Pro can certainly help you um, out with that as well. Sometimes just a click on a website can help. Um, help identify what somebody's um, interested in and you can add them to a new segment. All right. Yeah, definitely signals are key in, in an email you can say around the holidays, looking for a gift, you know, for a loved one or something. And then if they click that link and then they navigate to a certain area, maybe it's for, you know, men or maybe it's for children. And at, you, you mentioned, you know, you can gather those signals and then start sending those appropriate items for, say, a gift and don't inundate them with that. Maybe a couple emails around the holidays, right? And, and age, what if I sold wine, right? I, I don't want somebody who's 12 years old to be on my list, you know, because they're not old enough to buy wine. And it can be as easy as a checkbox on your sign-up form just saying, are you 21 or older? You know, check uh, check here or yes or no. And that kind of is a way for you to obtain information with the least amount of friction possible. Exactly, exactly. So um, what about um, income as well? Does that come into the demographics field? I used to target folks when I owned a landscaping business based on income and more importantly, whether or not they owned or rented a home. Uh, I wanted to make sure that people could afford my services and you know, may need it and can pay the bill on time. Therefore, I definitely used income when it came to my landscaping business. And there, there's going to be certain times when that comes into play. Depending on a product or service you sell, maybe what you sell is only for people that make a certain amount of money. Or it could be an occupation. You know, maybe you're targeting lawyers uh, or doctors for some reason because you sell uh, medical equipment or you know stenography uh, equipment or something like that. Therefore, you, that information is very helpful. Yeah, I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you can discount people. You know, if you go back to the um, yeah, the wine um, idea you shared earlier, um, if you are targeting people by, you know, by their income, perhaps if their income is larger, you may target them with more expensive and exclusive bottles if um, their income is less. Perhaps you can target them with a, a club where, you know, they are um, presented with more affordable options. Right. And we're talking about using data that you either have or can collect to make, you know, informative emails that help people make decisions quicker rather than, you know, saying, you know, hey, just buy for me in general. Like, hey, not saying that, you know, you know how much they make, but hey, we think you might be interested in this fancy bottle of wine or this one it tastes a little bit more and actually you know i had some tastings when i was in france and you know the provence region of france had some great wine and then beaujolais as well and uh i couldn't help myself but buy wine when i was at most of these tastings because it tasted so good <laughs> well when you're in france so we've talked about geographic and demographic segmentations what's, what's next tank so next up is one of my favorites, and it's psychographic information. And this includes lifestyle, 
values, concerns that people have, their personalities, attitude, and what I call AIO, activity, interest, and opinion. Now, this data is a little bit harder to obtain, but I think it allows you to tug on the emotional heartstrings of people to help them do business with you. Okay, and how would you go about collating that information? I think the best way to do that is going to be through a survey. You do surveys around questions that find out what people value, uh, how they feel about certain things, and maybe a little bit about their personality. Uh, It's definitely the best way to collect that information. And then the activity, interest, and opinion would be possibly some things that they're clicking on your emails or when they go back to your website, what areas of your website are they going to? Maybe I am a concert promoter. You know, I sell music online. I sell concert tickets online. I have events that have food trucks and stuff like that. So what are people consuming in the emails or on my website that might give me signals about what they're interested in? Uh, maybe somebody's vegan or maybe they're not. Or, or maybe somebody likes a certain type of music, country music versus pop music. Then you can start pushing out relevant messaging to folks to help them make that decision to buy from you or to come to your event if that's what you do. And again, this all comes down to you know, what I call you know, listening. Um, remember, you know, email marketing, it might appear to be a broadcast tool, but it's, it's definitely not a broadcast tool. It's a conversation. When you send those emails out and people are engaging with your emails, whether they're actively buying products or services from you or whether they're just clicking on links and going to your website and clicking around on your website, they are telling you exactly what they're interested in. So if you are that concert promoter and you have a range of concerts coming up in a particular town or city, and somebody clicks on that link and then they go to the website and they, they click on the, I don't know, the country or the, 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 the rock or the pop or, or whatever, um, you then can you know, steer your, your future conversations um, around the topics that they're interested in. And, you know, every send that you send out should become better because you're getting to know these people better and better. And it becomes like a real life conversation. And I get it. You know, as marketers, we're busy. You know, it might be a Friday and we say, oh, wow, I didn't get an email out. Let me go get an email out. I'm just going to create something, slap some products or, you know, talk about a service. And I'm just going to send it to everybody because I don't have the time. I'll target next week, right? That's the wrong thing to do. Make sure that you're planning ahead. You're, you're gathering this data and you're using this data because if you slip up and you alienate people, they're going to unsubscribe from your list and not be in tune to what you're doing. Uh, and there's going to be that time and a place where maybe you can incorporate a larger audience, but looking at this information is going to be key. And you know that's the last area of segmentation is behavior. What are they doing and what are they not doing? You know, are they clicking on certain links? Are they you know, reading the email fully? Are they opening more than one email? Are they opening, opening you know, one email out of every four you send? Look at all this because those are signals for you to make changes to your email marketing campaigns and help you be more successful. So, yeah, I get it. Marketeers are busy. And I know you you and I, Hank, we are often running around like headless chickens. um, But that doesn't mean you can't turn to other people for help. And certainly at iContact here, we have a professional services team who can help you out with manner of issues, whether it's segmentation, whether it's campaign creation, whether it's template design, Um, Whatever you want to do in email marketing, we have an email marketing expert on staff who 
you know, knows the industry inside out who can help. And you know, we're available every day of the week um, on chat, on email, on social media. Just get in touch with us, and you know, we'll we'll talk you through your problems, and you know, and hopefully, you know, help you become a better email marketer. And John's not just making that up. You know, when I say we, I'm talking about John me, eye contact. We're passionate about helping businesses grow. That's why we put out so much information. And that's why we have phone, email, and chat support. You know, a lot of SaaS companies, not just email marketing, you know, they're going to provide you with a product to help you, say, do marketing, store your contacts, whatever it is. Then all of a sudden you have a question or you have a problem you probably end up clicking a link, sending an email, and you're going to wait three business days. Then you get an email back talking about your question or your problem, and sometimes they don't fully answer that. Where we feel time is money and you need to succeed and you need to grow your business, therefore we want to help you right away. We want to get involved, answer that question, whether it's a strategy or something about the R application, or, hey, how do I effectively segment, right? How do I use this data I have that I'm collecting to send out the right message to my audience? And that's what we're here for. Therefore, we just don't say it to say it. You know, I think a lot of SaaS companies as well, they will charge a significant amount of money um, for, um, for support. And often that support doesn't convert into into action. Um, you know, you'll spend hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars a month on support and it will take you absolutely nowhere. We would rather people use our software, you know, so we offer free support to absolutely all of our customers, regardless of the size of the package they're on. Yes, if you want to take up any other professional services, you want us to invest time and effort into helping you cleanse your lists or design new templates for you or segment your lists. Yes, there will be a charge for that, but it costs nothing to speak to us. And if you're with another email service provider, you know, John and I will forgive you. And if you reach out to us personally, we'll help you. We'll talk to you about strategy and maybe even try to help you, you know, use the data you have in that platform if we can answer that question for you. Because really, yeah, in our hearts, we want to help you succeed no matter what. And it's all about relationships, right? That's what we're here on this podcast for is to develop a relationship with you to help you use email marketing effectively. We care about what you're doing no matter who you use. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I believe that people buy from people that they like and people buy from people they trust. And yeah, it doesn't matter what email marketing service provider you are with. Um, there are many, many um, similar companies to iContact, I will say. I will say in terms of people on top of the technology, you know, we are a superior organization. But hopefully if you can um, buy into what we're saying, you know, when it comes to reevaluating your email marketing platform, yeah, take a look at eye contact and see where we can take you. In the show notes, we're going to include ways for you to connect with eye contact, connect with John and I. We're on Twitter as well, and we'll give you our Twitter handles in a moment. But we're also going to link our ultimate subject line guide, which has 501 awesome examples from over 1 billion emails that have been sent through the eye contact platform. Some of these are going to be examples of highly performing emails, and some are going to be of ones that really bombed, you know, less than a 1% open rate. We have segmented these down to be 
industry specific, you know, and then also what type of message. So we're going to give you examples from welcome messages, broadcast messages, maybe the insurance industry, nonprofit. There's going to be so much information in here to help you bolster your subject lines, to help you get that open, build trust with your subscribers, get those conversions, and be on your way to having better performing email campaigns. If you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, my handle is just Hank Hoffmeyer. And John, your handle is? Is John underscore W underscore Hayes. Or of course, you can get in touch with us um, via the iContact Twitter feed as well, which is just at iContact. Hey, I should also mention, um, Hank, this podcast, um, which is available on the iContact site, um, iContact.com forward slash podcast, um, yeah, we've become legitimized. We've, we're, we're on iTunes now as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I kind of wanted to celebrate and say something out loud, but I was in a public place when I found out about that. Uh, yeah, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other platforms that you may consume podcasts on. So take a look for us, review us, give us feedback, go to iContact.com slash podcast. And, you know, you can definitely uh, consume other uh, episodes we have and then podcast at iContact.com. Give us feedback. What are we doing right? What can we be doing better? And, you know, hey, should John and I take another vacation soon? Because I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Hey, let us know. Um, you can drop us an email at podcast at iContact.com. So I guess that's us for another week, Hank. Um, any, any plans for the weekend? I'm going to relax a little bit. Even though my wife wants to go to Atlanta and have a camping trip, I am going to veto that and do some yard work because my yard is very much neglected. You want to stay close to your Wi-Fi for a few weeks. <laughs> you know your wife, your Wi-Fi. Yeah, well, yeah, my Wi-Fi and my AC, my air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. So, my name's John Hayes. My name's Hank Hoffmeyer. We've been talking about email marketing. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>